Welcome to the daily objective. There are two kinds of people. The people who think that La 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 has a happy ending and the people who haven't watched this episode yet. So the usual story we hear about La La Land, which is a movie that I've enjoyed a lot, which is why I did an episode last year. And it's a musical. Most people enjoy it. Most people like the music, the sense of life in it, the colors. But they say... There's a big problem with the movie. It has a very, very not happy ending, which is ruining the whole movie for them. And even worse, towards the end, there's this flashback that says how things could have been a happy ending, which makes it even worse. It's like someone is hungry and you saw him like a pizza and then you retreat it and now they're even more hungry. And yet I beg to differ. I think La La Land has a happy end. And through a discussion I had with Lisa turns out that she also agreed. Actually, it was Lisa's idea that we do this episode. So today with us, we've got Lisa Van Damme, educator, founder of Van Damme Academy, but also arts, how to put it, connoisseur or expert or enjoyer, enjoyer. who also runs Read With Me, which is an app where she reads pieces of literature and she does her commentary. So, Lisa, tell me about your experience with La La Land and why you think we should uh, talk about it. So, how did the idea for today's episode come along? Well, I should have done my research. I didn't realize there was a whole previous show that I could have watched. But, but that's my... more than a year ago. It was close okay. to Christmas because I think La La Land is a Christmas movie. So, now that's... Oh, no, you're not going to okay. start a whole... So, I did it last Christmas. You're going to start a new diehard debate over whether... <laughs> La La Land is a Christmas movie. Um, so what? this will be a really fascinating conversation because you and I both think it has a happy ending, but from our brief snippet of conversation, I'm not sure we think that for the same reasons. <laughs> I, hope that, I hope that we end up on the same side in the end, but um, at least we both love it. So I don't know, at some point in our discussion of Cyrano de Bergerac, I made, oh, I made reference to La La Land because I thought the music in it was so vastly superior to the music in the Cyrano movie. And then you confessed your love for this movie. So it seemed like a good topic to talk about. Seems so like indeed. are we going to dive right into the ending? Do, do we need to give any context of... So let's uh, give some context. Yeah. So we've got two people, Sebastian, Ryan Gosling, huge man crush, by the way. And Mia, who are, uh, they're struggling with their careers. He's very passionate. And they're both very passionate valuers. They take their careers seriously, except that the problem is their career is not going nowhere. So Sebastian is a, quote, traditionalist appreciator of jazz. He thinks jazz is dying. He's obsessed with this jazz club that now has become a, quote, a, a samba taco place. And he gives a great line. Samba or taco, pick one and do it right. And Mia is an aspiring actress. She's going from audition to audition. The auditions are not going well. And she's working in a cafeteria. And they meet each other. Initially, their relationship is a bit uh, playfully confrontational. Uh, they're both, particularly, he's always moody because he's, he really wants only this thing. He really wants to make it to jazz. His sister is telling him, you live like a monk. Here's this number from this girl. He throws, he says, no, I don't need a girl. If she doesn't like jazz, what are we going to talk about? But he ends up falling in love with Mia and they fall in love with each other. And 
they, the most important thing is they encourage each other. They persuade each other that, no, the problem is not with you who takes your dream seriously. The problem is with everyone else who doesn't take their dream seriously. So he tells him the world doesn't need just another lawyer who became a lawyer because they had to. So they push each other they, they, in a good way. And as he's pursuing a, a, a successful career, but not in the thing he loves. So he becomes part of a, of a modernist jazz. Uh, it's not even real jazz. So he gets money, but he's not happy with his work. And she gets a play, but it doesn't go well. So at the end, and here is a spoiler, but I mean, you can watch the film, the, the show without that spoiler. At the end, she, she succeeds in her career in, in, in acting, but she has to travel abroad. She has to travel in Paris. And the last scene, is, which is where we jump in, is a fast forward in five years. And mm -hmm. Mia is now successful. So she's a Hollywood star. She returns to the cafe. She's working, but now as a diva. Mm -hmm. And she goes back home, but she's not with Sebastian. She's not with Ryan Gosling. She's with an anonymous, boring guy. I mean, anyway, don't get me started about this guy. They have a kid. And one night they pass outside the club, which looks like a cool club. They go in. Turns out Sebastian has made his dream come true. It's a club, not where he wanted it to be and not with the name he wanted it to be, but with the name that Mia suggested earlier. And I think this is important, that your dreams will come true, but not always as you, let's say, even rationalistically, that if I am to have a club, it has to be there and it needs to have that name. No, the big thing here is your dream to have a club, not where it's going to be and what's the name. Anyway, and then we have the last scene where she goes in the club, she sees him, and as she sees him, their whole relationship is replayed in her mind, but in a different way. Everything goes slightly different, and they, they end up being together. And this is not a flashback by the director. This is a flashback in her mind, which yeah. is, I think, very, very important. And it's a flashback that includes even that particular night so she even replaced the scene where there's a traffic and they leave and they found a random club and they walk in. And she wants to be with Ryan Gosling. But the film ends. He plays a solo, which is like their music. He stares at her. She stares back at him. One of the most powerful scenes in history of Hollywood, if you ask me, it's somewhere there with slightly below Casablanca, but it's somewhere there. And the film ends. So most people say the problem with this film is it, that you have to choose either career or love. And these people both chose career. Therefore, The Guardian was, that's a left-wing newspaper in the UK. They said, it's a quote, neoliberal movie, whatever. So Lisa, what's your take on this okay, career well, slash start with love a question. and also <laughs> the ending? Let me start with a question for you. You mentioned in our brief conversation that you thought there was a chance they were still going to be together. No question right. about that. You think there's no question. Okay. So would you allow the possibility that it's a happy ending if they didn't end up together? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because, because I'm not because they I'm, will. If this was yeah. real life, I think that even today, notice one thing. She doesn't know she has he has opened a club. 
which mm-hmm. okay maybe I'm overreading it but the idea is she she can't even follow she can't even follow what he's doing because she's so attracted to him and if you see the film when he's walking towards his club there's this poster mm-hmm. of her and he can't even watching which means he's all he's still in a way obsessed with her and he's still alone he's alone in the house he lives still like mm-hmm. a bachelor he cooks this disgusting food so mm-hmm. he's not with someone and she's with a guy who is boring and okay good father whatever so yeah for me there's no question that uh, they're still in love so why not okay i'm suddenly afraid of antagonizing you but <laughs> let me make my pitch so the first thing i want to point out because i think it's important at least from the way i see the story is they don't come together as equals there are certain ways that they really relate to each other and that they sort of feel like they've met their match in a way that they hadn't before but they don't come together as equals I sort of see this movie as Mia's story. And it's her story of meeting this man who taught her to be a dreamer. Because at first she's going to, uh, you know, auditions for conventional roles. She really wants to be a success as an actress. She's got that image of the of the first diva who walks into the coffee shop while she's working. And, you know, that's what it will mean to have made it. And so she has big dreams and big ambitions to make it as a success in Hollywood. But her means of going about that is just to, you know, go to the ordinary auditions for the bad roles. And it's in her first real conversation with him that he says, Uh, you're not just an actress, you're a child prodigy playwright, which is an exaggeration. (laughs) She she wrote little plays in her bedroom um, in her childhood home. But but the idea is don't don't be so um, conventional or don't be so limited in the scope of your ambitions. You've got to, you've got to really go for it. Um, and she says, okay, I wrote down this quote, I'm going to stop auditioning. I'm going to go make history instead. And he says, my work is done here. Okay. So, so the, to me, the idea is she, it's the story of her experiencing this whirlwind romance with a great dreamer you know, the, the epitome of the ambitious dreamer who then gets her to do the same thing. But I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that her relationship, that the guy is boring, that her relationship is bad and that she has to be with Sebastian for her life to be happy. I think we don't get to see the development of their love relationship because that's not what it's about. And we don't get to see if the same passion and romance exists in their relationship. And definitely it's taking the idea that this is sort of a more mature stage in in her development or something with the kids and stuff. So, so we're not looking at it as that, you know, first love whirlwind sort of, not that those are mutually exclusive, but um, so I think that she she could be happy and that when she sees him in the club and they make eye contact and then there's that moment I love that moment too and she smiles and he smiles and I took that not as meaning okay their future is together but as I'm happy you're happy and our relationship in that time is something profoundly special and precious to me yeah. So, so does that even, destroy? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, if that was the end, I would still 
think that this is a happy end because okay. they pursued their dreams. Yeah. I just have some reasons to believe that, of course, it's a film, but yeah. let me put it this way. If I'm ever with a girl mm-hmm. and she sees her ex and they have that moment, I'm really worried. Like, <laughs> let's, let's yeah. put it this way. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, you get some small cues. So, for example, why doesn't the flashback stop before mm-hmm. she met the new guy? The, fla- the flashback continues to this night. So she would rather, in the flashback, she's with him, with Ryan Gosling, with Sebastian, yeah. even in that night. So, again, you might say, okay, maybe uh, you know, she gets serious, she got more serious. And again, the guy's a great father. He's probably very stable with her. She appreciates him and all that stuff. To me, there's no question she's still in love. It's it's difficult to fall out of love with someone if there is not a very particular reason. So either you either that person completely disappoints you or you meet someone new who rocks your world. We don't get any cue that this guy has rocked your world. So mm-hmm. that's why I think that uh, that uh, these small cues show that they would, they would probably uh, end up together. But shall we also attack this... Uh, this myth, this myth that says that this film shows that it's either career or love, mm-hmm. but never both. So that's why some, even some of our friends maybe would say this is a malevolent universe premise that shows that you can't have you can't have all in life. That's the message that many people get. So I find it interesting because I do think of this as primarily a movie about career romanticism. You know, romanticism as applied to career. And the relationship as being sort of a catalyst for them to to go after that career romanticism. romanticism. And I think it's interesting that because the love relationship doesn't have its neat, perfect ending, that 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 destroys it for them as, as if the romance is being elevated over the career romanticism. But I find it, I don't think that it's showing them as at odds with each other. I think it's just primarily about this romanticism around career. Um, So the relationship becomes sort of secondary to that. And it's funny because I rewatched the movie in preparation for this. And I I laughed when it started because it's all right there in the opening line of the opening song. The opening line of the opening song is, I think about that day. I left him at a Greyhound station west of Santa Fe. We were 17, but he was sweet and it was true. Still, I knew what I had to do. <laughs> so that's it's another character singing that song, but it's the same idea. Like, yeah, it was a it was a sweet, true, wonderful relationship, but my focus was on per, pursuing my career ambitions and that's what I needed to focus on. Here's another uh, evidence adding up to your uh to your theory about that. Uh, We don't see any very passionate scene between the two of them, but Mm. we see Sebastian Ryan Gosling at his most passionate, even when he talks about jazz, which is also one of my favorite scenes. There in the jazz open, he's trying to communicate to her why jazz is nice and important. And we see him fired up. And we also see him fired up in another scene which is also a very beautiful scene when he travels to Idaho or something. I don't remember where she's her family house is to tell oh, you yeah. you have an audition, come back. And there we see him very, very animated. So they both get more animated when it comes to their dreams rather than when it comes to when it comes to when it comes to each other. Mm-hmm. So 
I have some questions about, uh, we have some questions about this. And actually I have two questions to put on the table on, on for you. So the first is, can you be in love with someone, tr truly in love, and yet that someone is incompatible for you to live your life together? Mm. So like the party line of the person who's read objective would say, no, because your values, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I totally get that. And uh, this is, I get objectives has really helped me to understand romance in a deeper way. But could it be a case that you are in love with someone for the right reasons, and yet your lives are incompatible? For, for, or not your lives are incompatible in terms of, let's say he works in Antarctica, but your <laughs> lives are incompatible because you two cannot live together. You're very in love, but you wouldn't work together, so to speak. That sounds very plausible to me. I, I, there's, it is funny that, okay, let me say one thing going backwards. I think part of the reason people have such difficulty accepting the dissolution of this romance at the end of the movie is that we, is the power of Ryan Gosling. You said you you have a crush, <laughs> crush on him too. Of course, I, I have an incredible crush on him too. You, you want her to end up with him because you cannot help but fall in love with him in this movie. And we we live that relationship. So I think it's a testament to his, his just charm and charisma and power as an actor and the character that was created is that you just fall madly in love. So in the universe of this movie, it feels like he's the only one. There can be nobody else. That's, but then people translate to that to life experience, and it's a it's a beautiful romanticized notion. And I think uh, I consider myself a great romantic, but I don't believe in the one soulmate idea. I think somebody can have lots of true love relationships. So I think when you get stuck in this idea that there can only be one, or um, you know. The, when you meet the one, no circumstances can interfere with the fulfillment of that relationship. That, that, that doesn't, that's not consistent with reality as I know it. Okay. So you wouldn't consider it like, because uh, a person whose uh, judgment uh, I value told me about this uh, film at some point, something like... Mm -hmm. uh, that whenever you, whenever you hear people saying, oh, I was really loving that person, but their life got in the way. Mm -hmm. Like there was this external thing. So that person told me that's cynicism. That's kind of a, so this mm -hmm. basically destroy, not destroys, but this is something which is very non-romantic. The idea that we were really in love, but then love happened. No, if love happened, then maybe you were not truly in love. What would be, and I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I want to um, try to act as the expert on romance here, but <laughs> I would, but I would just say from personal experience, I think I've had myself many real love relationships in my life. And that doesn't, I mean, like something got in the way. The, the other thing is, what, do, what was the extent or depth of their connection? It was a very fast sort of connection that we saw between them. And there is this line between infatuation and true love. I mean, true love is something that has to be established over time and through connection and is distinct from infatuation, even though infatuation is very real and very important and can be the, the kind of 
start and and um, the the introduction to a, a real love relationship. But I think people confuse those a lot too. That something could be a whirlwind infatuation romance that feels like love, but love is something that has to be established more over time. So I do think in this film, there's a little bit of, um, I don't think it's cynical to say they were like young people in the throes of this excitement of this new relationship and the the um, encouragement they gave each other to pursue their dreams. But was it that the eternal lasting love relation? Well, maybe not. Maybe there were just, um, but that I don't feel like that is cynical or demeans or undermines what their relationship was. I just don't think it has to be elevated to the true love that you die for um, and that has to last a lifetime for it to be significant and valuable. I totally agree that a, li- a love doesn't have to last a lifetime to be that valuable. That's why always my favorite love stories were the ones where something happens. Casablanca, mm. love in the time of cholera. Having said that, my core premises were very malevolent universe type. So maybe <laughs> I should uh, I should reassess this. Okay, there's a well, lot of- can I, can I give you a quote from Damien Chazelle, the director? Sure. He said, I'm very moved by the idea that you can meet someone in your life who transforms you and sets you on a path that is going to finally enable you to be the person you dreamed of being. But ultimately you need to go on that path alone. You can have a union that winds up dictating the rest of your life, but doesn't last the rest of your life. I found that incredibly beautiful and heartbreaking and wondrous. At its soul, I want that. Mo- I want the movie to be about that. Um, so that's a pretty. I, I don't usually count on directors to have that kind of clarity of understanding of their own purpose, but that is what it felt like to me. And it's interesting that people regard that as cynical. I think. It, I think it makes sense that you could have this relationship in your youth and or in your past that was so significant to your development as a person and you look back on it in this really nostalgic romantic way but for whatever reason it, it wasn't meant to last a lifetime now i will say i think that the movie did an inadequate job of showing why it couldn't last and i think that might be part of the reason people have such a hard time with it i mean the idea of going to paris ending the possibility of a relationship or him, you know, there's that scene where he's, he looks at the spot in the ceiling. Um, and while Mia's on the phone talking about the coffee uh, stain or whatever, yeah. the mouth. And, yeah. and the idea, I think the idea in that moment is he's like, Oh, I have to provide for her. So that's when he takes the job with John legend. Um, and, and kind of gives up on his dream for the moment. But, but I, I mean, I would accept the argument that that's a little bit unconvincing that that was necessary for him to do that. Or, um, so I think it could have been made more convincing that life got in the way <laughs> and then it would be maybe a little easier to accept that, that the, the requirements of their career meant that they had to part. Before we jump to the super chat, which is very lit today, Remember that, that discussion they have on the bench when they wait for the audition? So mm-hmm. Gosling says, I know you're going to get this. So the question is not if, but when you go to Paris, he basically you have to concentrate on this. You have to give it all. And mm-hmm. he also knows that now is the time. I mean, he's of 
he's probably late 30s. He knows that he wants to go all in. So I can understand why in that yeah. case it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't work. But again, sure. if there was nothing there and if this was a happy end, when you see at the end, you say, hey, hi, hey, how nice to meet you. Here's uh-huh. my husband. No, mm-hmm. it was that glance that said it everything. So I don't okay. buy that, you know, she has... Anyway, let's go. Yeah. Let's go to the super chat. So well, I have to mention too that I, I mentioned this to you offline that um, when I watched this movie with my kids who are seven and nine years old, at the end, um, I said, "What do you think?" And they said they loved it. And I said, "Some some of my friends think it's a sad ending. What did you think?" And they just looked at me perplexed. So like, what's sad about it? Now they're not going to be as in tune to the romance as as um, an adult would be. But I said, well. They think it's sad because they didn't end up together. And my son just looked at me and went, "He still could. <laughs> so <laughs> that goes to your point. But even if, even if the movie is not suggesting that they are going to, you think it is, I'm not quite convinced of that. But even if the movie isn't suggesting that they are going to be together, it's true that that, if it, if she regarded this as so devastating that they that they parted and this is this painful nostalgic reverie on what they could have been together. What's stopping her from pursuing, you know? Um, so it's a fair point. And also that that director, he's the director of Whiplash. So we see yes. some of these themes in that brilliant scene in Whiplash where he breaks up, he breaks up with his girlfriend in the cafe because yeah. he says, basically, it's either your jazz or me. And then he says, yeah. oh, okay, it's jazz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, super chats. Marilyn, thank you so much. So she gives ten. She she thank you for your uh, donation. And she says for Robert and Bonnie for super chatting on my behalf while I was in London. So we met many of our community members in London in uh, in Iron Con Europe. Uh, people who we've seen through the chat, they were there in person. So thanks so much. Uh, Kirk agrees. He says 100% he's with you, Lisa, that this is my, that this is Mia's story. I always saw it as that film with Ryan Gosling, but again, <laughs> boy crash for my Ryan Gosling. Phil <laughs> says, could this be a different time warp version of Casablanca? Casablanca is the, the theme that keeps coming back to my head whenever I see La La Land. A, the film itself has references to Casablanca. One is the balcony, other is you, when, when they fly to Paris, the airplane is basically the same airplane that uh, Ilsa and her husband left Casablanca for. So mm. the, the, the references are there. What do you think, Lisa? Is this... but, the career, but the career instead of the... Uh... Yeah, career yeah. as a higher mission in and, a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I don't. I don't have any other thoughts about that. I don't know about you. But uh, still, no, I, I agree. This is this is the Casablanca of our time. Let's put it this way: the style is there, the aspiration for something big is there. Mm-hmm. I love these two movies in the same. So, in the same way, I love Casablanca. I love La La Land. Let's put it this way. I want to add that I think there's something. I think it's important that they're artists. I think the theme could apply to all sorts of career dreams and ambitions. But there's something about, it's funny because in that montage at the end where she plays out what their life could have been, he is doing the soundtrack for it and she is creating the, the visual, you know, the, the cinematic visuals of it. Um, and 
it is, I, you know, it's La La Land. It's about people who go to LA to chase their dreams. This is the Hollywood industry. And I think it's something about, you know, the people who do chase those big artistic ambitions. They're the ones that show us what gives life meaning um, and, and create this artistic presentation of what really matters in life that, yes, doesn't always match reality. I don't think of that the cynical, I think of that as the difference between art and real life, that art extracts and emphasizes the values that are present everywhere in life. They're just not present in that distilled kind of perfect packaged form. Um, so it, it does seem important to me that they're both artists chasing their dreams and the uh, in doing that, they present a vision to the rest of us that helps us to, to chase our dreams by, by presenting us with that perfect package that life doesn't show us. And I just came up with what you said with a million dollar question about unrequited love, but I'm going to leave it for the end. Uh, Enric says, I see the theme as at any point in your life, you can transcend mediocrity and realize your values. Mm. This is why this is a brilliant movie, because again, the idea is take your values and things seriously. So Ryan Gosling, uh, Sebastian says in more than one occasions, he, he's about taking things seriously. Even the stupid things like, uh, you know, the tapas bar, even if you have a tapas bar, take the tapas bar seriously. So yeah. I, I am with you, Enric. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Phil says that the answer to my first question, which was whether there can be an whether you can be really in love with someone and yet you two okay. cannot live together or you cannot have a future together. He says the answer is yes. And Robert <laughs> says, Robert, I was expecting for your comment because we did a, mm -hmm. a show with Robert on Casablanca. Lisa is right. The film did an, an inadequate job of showing mm -hmm. why the relationship had to end. To say the least, capitalized. Understatement <laughs> of the day. So probably Robert is not on team... Happy He's ending. not. No, he made that clear on my Facebook page. And thank you, Apollo Zeus, for your uh, contribution. Thank you, everyone, for your contribution. So I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this question to you, Lisa. I haven't got the answer, although I have some hints. Why are we so fascinated by the idea of unrequited love? Mm. Why do we consider Casablanca the most romantic film ever and La La Land? I mean, I personally only the, the, the second one. Could it be because it stops early, therefore it's still pure? It doesn't take the downhill where, I don't know, people get uh, fat, mm -hmm. they don't love each other. More, <laughs> they... So what is it about okay. unrequited love or short-lived love that has an appeal? Is there something healthy in it? Or is it basically the malevolent universe premise that says, happiness, you can't access it, everything is going to go downhill, so better gi give up. It's a bit like Dominique Francon, right? Uh, you cannot have the true love, so yeah, don't even try. Unrequited is as good as it gets, maybe. That is a big question. Um, I mean, the first thought that occurs to me is that most art is tragic. And it does seem to be, uh, this is a, uh, a big theme to try to take on, but it does seem to be that there's traditionally a dichotomy between having ideals and having practical success in the world. I mean, that's the, that's the dichotomy that Ayn Rand set out to shatter. <laughs> so um, so I, it may just be that those are the stories we have available to us 
for the most part, that are powerful and beautiful because they're always going to rely on this dichotomy between being an idealist and being a success. Now, I don't think that's the dichotomy here. I don't think we're meant in La La Land to think that there's a choice between idealism and practical success. I think it was just a choice of a certain set of I, of ideals, and the emphasis was was on the um, on the career. And clearly, he want he liked the idea of this nostalgic relationship that helped set you on a path to success in your career. Um, so I don't think he was saying that it's at odds in that way. But I do think probably a lot of unrequited love stories we have to choose between ideals and happiness. Okay, this opens more questions than uh, we have time to discuss, but uh, thank you very much, Lisa, great idea. So my message to you is whenever you have such a great idea, reach out and we can do, <laughs> I, I love doing uh, film reviews and it's usually my, my favorite uh, episode. So any parting words, what you're doing these days, tell us something about uh, Read With Me. Uh, well, Read With Me the, has taken a, a turn in the project. I'm now working on creating curriculum guides for children um, and hoping, have big ambitions to see if that can get into schools or to homeschoolers or to micro schools. Or, but I want to see if I can create, document the approach I take to literature in a way that will make it usable to people everywhere. So that's, that's what I'm trying right now. Okay, sounds, uh, we're going to hear more about that at some point. And again, I was having a discussion yesterday with my, my niece is in, the, in her first days at school. And I was okay. having a discussion with my sister. And I was thinking, why isn't there like a Van Damme type of academy in Greece or something yeah. like that? So yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank you very much. People go watch La La Land, go rewatch it keeping in mind what we discussed today, particularly if you think it has, a, it has not a happy end, rewatch it on, in light of this discussion and you're going to see why it's a great movie. It's an uplifting movie, life as it should be. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.